Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Uberwald to 4X, this is Apache Podcast number 58. Oh dear, late again. Hello and welcome to another Patrick Podcast with me, your host, Graham Sheridan. <clears throat> so, it does look rather that uh, I'll be moving to a six-week cycle to get these done. I do apologise, but unfortunately, life does get rather in the way. With work and, well, just general life. Now, this also has a bit to do with that I basically almost permanently work nights and have to find a bit of quiet time, or like today... That I'm at home for a day off before a day off before it actually goes further on. So, we're going to further on. We'll start with the news. Times, times, get your ankle pop. Times, times, get your ankle pop. Times. Now. Just one bit. Uh, it's posted in the group uh, by Karen Rowland. And at the Old Court Theatre from the 28th, uh, 25th sorry, to 28th of April and from the 2nd to the 5th of May at 7.45pm. Um, Terry Pratchett's The Fifth Elephant by Stephen Briggs. I s- it's a... I have a feeling there's some odd little extra, well, characters dropping in there. The Fifth Elephant by Stephen Briggs. Not the Fifth to Element to Yeah? Mm-hmm. Just to keep you laughing. Anyway, um, if you want to try and uh, attend this, then the Civic uh, Theatre box office is on 01245. Six zero six five oh five. That is O one two four five six zero six five oh five. And that is well Chelmsford. You know, Chelmsford, England, that's yeah. Okay, good. I, I sort of see you nodding over the airwaves. It's weird. Okay, forget it. Anyway <clears throat> apart from that, well, Nothing too much going on. Um, There's a lot of speculation going on. Um, To put you slightly in the picture now, if you really want to know what's going on with the Guards Guards series, then I suggest, as always, you go and have a look at the Discworld monthly page. It's no longer a group, just a page, uh, where everything that's known has been published. As of yet, uh, there's no starting date uh, for... Well... 
no casting, no darting date, nothing. It's just that it's been confirmed that it's going to get done. As to when, the papers are speculating as usual. So I say, if you want the actual facts, then go and have a look at the Discworld monthly Facebook group. Or you can actually probably type it into Google and find the actual uh, page online as well. Uh, it's usually kept right up, bang up to date. And there's very, very little that they miss. So, that's it for news. I suppose I better get on with new member of the watch. Welcome to the watch. Sergeant Detritus over there will swear you in. Detritus! Yes, Mr. Vines. So, welcome back. What is, then, new members, or new member of the watch in this case? Well, it's just basically the Facebook group. Nothing spectacular, it's just I like to give it a name and I like to, well I wanted it to be around something or part of the Terry Patrick world that I really love, which is the watch and everything to do with some Vimes. So anybody who knows me, knows me relatively well, including those on Facebook, know Night Watch is my favourite book. It is my favourite book. And that's including others by other authors. Yes. So, because of all that, and sort of my watch-centric, and because my work is watch-centric, yes, I literally go walking around at night, without the bell, of course. Um, so that's why I call this section New Members of the Watch. It's just a nice thing to call the Facebook group, I suppose. Anywho, the only person for this month is Dan Bailey. Yes, Colin was trying to get a couple of people in, but it doesn't seem quite to have done. Facebook's been a bit weird at the moment, I have to admit this myself. I'm noticing things that when you're on Facebook on a laptop or a desktop, uh, you click just to get the, 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 the thumbs up and it then automatically selects what she thinks you want. It's been happening an awful lot to me late. Anyway, um, but any luck. It'll be sorted by next month, and they'll come onto next month's list. Which ain't half bad, Mum. Oh, no, it ain't half hot, Mum. Ah, that was it, yeah. So, talking to Colin, let's get on with the clacks. Clacks! Clacks! So, yes, this month's clacks is both from Colin... Uh, Clax, what is it? Well, it's your emails or your messages on this podcast. Quite simple. So basically, if you want to drop me a line, all you have to do is write to pratchettpodcast at gmail.com. So pratchettpodcast, all one word. No third at the beginning, just pratchettpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And it shall arrive. Now, I will catch up with last month's uh, review from Colin. But we'll start with this month's review from Colin. A hat full of sky. Well, it's been a while since I've read this one, as I am now at the other end of the series. Watch out for a completely unasked review of Pyramids. I'm looking forward to it, actually, Colin. I actually like Pyramids. It's only small gods that I don't like. By the way, small gods is on BBC Radio at the moment. It's about the only way I can get through that. Hey, getting back to Colin's email. 
and apparently I took no notes when I did read it. So, a quick look at Wikipedia for a plot rundown. Oh, it's that one with them. Cribbins! Our young witch is back. Tiffy's now 11 and much more growing up. Well, as you can be with 11. As this is the second book, it is uh, time for her will to expand and so Tiffany is sent to Lancra to be a, uh, a pre... A pre it looks like appreciated isn't apprenticed to a senior witch, Miss Level, who is behind her, beside herself with joy. Oh, 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 you're such a comic. <sighs> Draw humour. It is interesting how Langra uh, itself seems to expand and contract depending on upon which book uh, Terry is writing. In Equal Rights, it seems to be a quite large place. Team with witches, then come lords and ladies time. There seems to be hardly any left and they are talking about moving the boundaries. Now it has loads again. None of who have had who we have heard of up until this point. This is true the mum at work. Elements of the short story, the sea and the little fishes are incorporated here. Ah Yeah. Namely the witch trials. Yes, Colin, we will do that one. Now I know you've nicely reminded me here. Yes, we will do that as a separate podcast. I rather like that story a lot. Um, this is a story uh, that I think should have been part of the Lords and Ladies, but Terry couldn't fit it in. Don't quote me on that, as I can't find a source. Yes, he has been trying. Um, Mrs Earwig uh, first appears in The Sea and the Little Fishes, where she's challenged by a centipede to an arse-kicking, sorry, questioned uh, Granny Weatherwax authority. Uh, I nicked that last bit from iSpace.org because it said to be said, or it had to be said, yes. So, it's, a better, it's better than book one. Mm, I'll get to my bits in there. And the things are more serious and well-rounded. The series does seem to grow up along with the character. One thing Tiffy has, Tiffany, <sighs> teeth in backwards again, has to deal with for the first time is other witches of her own age. Now, knowing how the series ends, it's interesting to see how the characters start. At this stage, it does not look like the future run tops is in safe hands. The main villain, for want of a better word, is the Hiver, but in true uh, to Terry Pratchett way, uh, Tiffany uh, comes to realise that the creature is not inherently evil and just wants peace. Something she's able to give it in the end. This turns this ah, this in turn leads to her first confrontation with death, and Tiffany learns that death itself is not something to be afraid of, at least when you have a feagle with you. So, and there's a little sort of snippet here. At least the bones had never got, uh, had never frightened Tiffany. They were the only chalk that had walked around. Are you? She began. But Rob, anybody, gave a yell, leaped straight for the hood. There was a thud. Death took a step forward and raised a skeletal hand to his cowl. He pulled out a Rob, anybody, by his hair and held his arm held him at arm's length while the knack cursed and kicked is this yours death asked tiffany the voice was heavy and all around her like thunder uh no uh he's his i was not expecting a knack today said death otherwise i would have worn protective clothing ah ah 
they do fight a lot. You've got to let me go sooner or later, your big anatomy, yelled Robin Abbey. And then you're going to get such a kicking. This series gets better book by book. All in book three. Yes. Cheers, Colin. Yes, and, and book three is my favourite. But I make no wonder that. So, getting on to Colin's next mail. This is a catch-up from last month's podcast. Nation, okay, a quick review. Best book he ever wrote. There you go, job done, end of review. <sighs> but I suppose you want a slightly longer, more waffly, footnoted-filled review. Yes? Okay, you asked for it. Spoilers ahead! Terry originally had the idea for this book in mid-2004. It was due to be published sometime in 2005. But unfortunately, the Boxing Day tsunami made uh, Terry delay the publication because he quite rightly felt it would not be appropriate as the events of the book were too close to what happened in the Indian Ocean late 2004. Eventually, it got published on the 1st of October 2008, approximately one year after Terry made his public diagnosis of PCA. But mostly written uh, up to four years earlier, this book is uh, of a subtly different style to the ones around it. For example, Unseen Academicals. It was written when he was at the top uh, or the height of his powers and no doubt the delay enabled him to further uh, hone the manuscript. I have experienced this book in a number of ways. I've read it, of course, and listened to Mr Briggs reading it. I've also seen the National Theatre play in 2010 which they broadcast to cinemas. This was excellent production and unfortunately has never been released on DVD. Oh, see, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of... Uh, somebody have a, a talk with Rihanna and Rob and see if we can get this released. That'd be kind of cool. See, that's more stuff. And then, um, like whatever sort of profits are made from the release of the DVD will go to something like, I don't know, a tsunami fund. How's that for an idea? Anyway, get back to Colin's email. There are only a few clips online, but the script ad adaptation by Mark Ravenhill is available to buy. This time I listened to what uh, I had titled as the Na uh, Nation Play in my PC folder, which I recorded off the radio, because they haven't released it on CD, as, as far as I'm aware, at the moment. Uh, I need to go and research that one again. Because it's just, just those little, you know, when you get the books and you got the CDs and all that, and there's like little holes, and it's just not nice. Anyway, but it turned out to be a slightly dramatic three-hour reading done by two actors playing male and female parts. I thought there were more than that. I'm quite sure there were a couple of more than that. It wasn't many people. Uh, anyway, to the story itself, as often with Terry's ideas, it's based on a number of what-ifs. In this case, what if the British Royal Line was suddenly wiped out? What if there was no Australia, just a group of islands? What if the current civilization uh, had not been the first to evolve on this planet? Much of these ideas are not original. Some are not even original to his own work, e.g. science of this world. But it's how they come together and what makes this book brilliant. It was also the first non-disc world book to be published in 12 years. Okay, that should have been less time. Uh, but I think the last was Johnny and the Bomb. Yeah, it was. This could this uh, could this story have worked on this world? In short, no. Unlike Dodger, uh, which could have been transferred to Ankh-Morpork Park with a minimum of changes, Nation requires a world that is round for reasons that become very obvious. I have guesstimated uh, the story takes place somewhere in a, 
1850 and it's a Victorian area which came to a rather abrupt end. This it's, uh, in itself poses a number of questions at the end of the book uh, when Ermintrude, Daphne, ah, there's the word Daphne, no, the monstrous regiments, yes. <coughs> anyway, see, book's crossing over. Anyway, returning to Collins Mail. Returns home and eventually becomes queen. She marries a Dutch prince. So there is no house of Saxe-Coburg, and therefore Windsor. So did the 20th century play out uh, Play out as our history records? Uh, were there two world wars? Would civilization stagnate? Will mankind build uh, the elevated in time to leave the planet? We don't know. The book does not say, and I'm getting off track. I don't know. If you think so. Terry's views on religion and faith are clearly shown in this book, possibly more so than uh, other than any other. Well, there's one other you could use uh, to prove that. Um, but it's done uh, with great subtlety. S-U-B-T-L-E-T-Y. I don't have to spell it. Bugger. Gently guiding the reader rather than saying, here's what I think and this is what you should do. As I said at the beginning, uh, this book may be the best one he wrote. It is, and it's up against some real competition from the Discworld series. Yes, like Night Watch. Uh, but it's a slow burner. When do I re-read uh, re or these days listen to it? I ask myself, why is this so good again? Unlike, say, Going Postal, which is great from start to finish, you have to work at this book and stick with it. Then... There is a certain point, somewhere about two-thirds to three-quarters way through the book, where it all comes together. I just let it take me. Uh, this difference uh, between... The, uh, this is the difference between this book and the Discworld series. Discworld has never moved me. Uh, it's made me a bit angry. It's made me think. It's made me laugh. It's made me cry uh, with laughter. So that I could not see the page, but it's never got me to an emotional level. Footnote number one, except maybe some parts of Shepherd Crown, but I plead extenuating circumstances. Um, to me, Terry was not that sort of writer, and that was fine. But when I get to a certain point of this uh, of this book, a lump comes to my throats, and it's not uh, the requited love between Mao and Daphne, uh, which in any other book would read as great tragic, but manages to twist it so that it's not. Believe it or not, it's the science. The greatest what-if idea that of uh, that of another unknown, unknown civilization existing before the current, before all the uh, early civilizations of which we know, possibly tens of thousands of years ago. Terry ends the book by giving us a possibility of a world turned upside down and united by the men of learning. In the epilogue, it is said many famous scientists visited the islands. Carl Sagan, Albert Einstein... Uh, who played his violin? I'm sure this has been a. Uh, I'm sure, had this book been published a few years later, Terry would have shoehorned in some sort of pun with Brian Cox, uh, guitars and stargazing. But uh, he makes this small, uh, insignificant island become the cradle of mankind, uh, the recognised seat from which all knowledge sprung. Uh, this is unusually positive outlook from him. Uh, from him. I was recently listening to a complete unrelated interview with singer Will I Am on the radio. You know, because I'm happy. <sighs> Some songs just get on you after a long, uh, after, yeah, especially when they're being played. Yeah, exactly that. 
often, yeah. Anyway, he was promoting something or other, uh, and somehow the conversation came onto books. He said that uh, adult books are for adults, children's books are for children, but young adults' books are for everyone. Perhaps this is why some series like Harry Potter and The Hunger Games can tap into conscious, uh, the consciousness of all age groups, and maybe why this nation is so compelling. As I have said now many times, I thought this is the best book uh, he wrote, and I'm glad it, I came to that conclusion before I read that Terry also thought the same. So I'll leave the last word to him. All Earth authors must occasionally wonder where the magic comes from, and sometimes I wonder where the strengths of Daphne came from, and about the source of Mao's almost incoherent rage. Wherever there are oranges, I believe... That Nation is the best book I've ever written or will write. Cheers, Colin. So, like I said, uh, if you want to send me uh, any reviews on anything, we have two sections. There's the one here, which is a clax, which your opinions and the like. But uh, say you do a review of a stage play that you've seen, then I will put that into Fool's Guild as its entertainment outside sort of the normal realm. Uh, well, I say normal realm. That's not quite the right word, but I know what I mean. Unfortunately, you don't. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> so, after clearing one's throat, I say, if you want to get in contact, pratchettpodcast at gmail.com or if you're on Facebook, and you can probably shoot me a message and I should see it. And I will add it also to here to list. So, where are we now? Well... As there's nothing else to do, it only leaves me to get on with my review of Hat Full of Sky. Back up to the reading. Introductions From fairies and had to avoid it by Miss Perspicacia Tick. The Nakmakfigo, also called Pixies, the Wee Free Men, uh, Little Men, and Person or Persons Unknown Believed to be Armed. The Nakmakfield are the most dangerous of the fairy races, particularly when drunk. They love drinking, fighting and stealing and will in fact steal anything that's not nailed down. If it is nailed down, they will steal the nails as well. Nevertheless, those who have managed to get to know them and survive say that they're also, also amazingly loyal, strong, dogged, brave and, in their own way, quite moral. For example, they won't steal from people who don't have anything. The average fugal man, uh, fugal women are rare, see later, uh, is about six inches high, red-haired, skin turned blue with tattoos, and the dye called wood, and since you're this close, he's probably going to hit you. He'll wear a kilt made of any old material, because among the fugals, the clan allegiance is shown by the tattoos. He may wear a rabbit skull helmet, and a fugle often decorates his beard and hair with feathers, beads and anything else that takes his fancy. He will almost certainly carry a sword, although it is mainly uh, for show, the fugle's preferred method of fighting being with the boot and the head. History and Religion The origin of the Natmak fugle is lost in the famous mists of time. They say that they, were that they were thrown out of the fairyland by the Queen of the Fairies because they objected to her spiteful and tyrannical rule. Others say they were just thrown out for being drunk. Little known uh, is about their religion. If any, say for one fact, they think they are dead, 
They like our world, with its sunshine and mountains and blue skies and, th and things to fight. An amazing world like this could be open to just anybody, they say. It must be some kind of a heaven or Valhalla. The brave warriors go when they are dead. So, they reason. They've already been alive somewhere else and then died. And we're allowed to come, to he come here because they have been so good. This is quite incorrect and fanciful notion because, as we know, the truth is exactly the other way around. There is not a great deal of mourning when a figure dies, and it's only because his brothers are, uh, are sad that he has not spent more time with them before going back to the land of the living, which they also called the last world. Habit and Habitat By choice, the clan of the Nak McFeel live in the burial mounds of ancient kings, where they hollow out a cosy cavern amidst, amid the gold. Generally, there'll be one or two thorn or elder trees grown on it. The fegals particularly like the old, the old hollow elder trees, which become chimneys for their fires. And there will, of course, be a rabbit hole. It will be just like it will just look like a rabbit hole. There will be rabbit droppings around it, and it may even a few bits of rabbit fur if the fegals are feeling particularly creative. Down below the world of the fegal. It's a bit like a beehive, but with a lot less honey and a lot more sting. The reason for this is that the females are very rare among the fegal, and perhaps because of this, fegal women give to birth to lots of babies, very often and very quickly. They're about the size of peas when they're born, but grow extremely fast if they're fed well. Fegals like to live near humans so they can steal milk from cows and sheep for this purpose. The queen of the clan is called a kelder who as she gets older becomes the mother of most of it. Her husband is known as the big man. When a girl ch child is born, and it doesn't often happen, she stays with her mother to learn the hiddlings. Which are the secrets of Keldering? When she's old enough, she will be. Uh, she's to marry. She must leave the clan, taking a few of her brothers with her as bodyguards on her long journey. Often she'll travel to a clan that has no Kelder. Very rare, rarely. If there's no clan without a Kelder, she'll meet with Fiegels from several clans and form a completely new clan, with a new name and a mind of its own. She will also choose her husband. And from then on, while her word is absolute law among her clan and must be obeyed, she will seldom go more than a little distance from the mound. She's both its queen and its prisoner. But once for a few days, there was a Kelder who was a human girl. Got to do this. A feeble glossary. Adjusted for those of delicate disposition. Big jobs! Human beings. Blathers. Rubbish. Nonsense. Carlin. Old woman. Cludgy. The privy. Crevins! A general exclamation that can mean anything from my goodness to I've just lost my temper and there's going to be trouble. Dree. Your. My. Has. Her. Weird. Face the fate that is in store for you, me, him, her. Geese, a very important obligation backed up uh, by tradition and magic and not a bird. Eldritch, weird, strange, sometimes means oblong to, for some odd reason. Hag, a witch of any age. Hagen, haggling, anything a witch does. Headlands, secrets. Mudlin, a useless person. Pesht. I'm assured this means tired.
Scunner, a generally unpleasant person. Scuggin, a really unpleasant person. Ships, way things that eat grass and go ba, easily confused with the other kind. Spavy, sea muddlin, special sheep liniment. Probably moonshine whiskey. I am very sorry to say no one knows what I do uh, to do to sheep, but to say a drop of it is as good for the shepherd on a cold winter's night as for the fields at any time at all. Do not try to make this at home. Wheelie! A general cry of despair. Yo, after that reading, I'm going to have a bit of sheep liniment. Ah, nice from Uberwald. And we will carry on. A Hatful of Sky. A Hatful of Sky was originally uh, released in 2004. And uh, it's set two years after The We Free Men. So it basically, as Carl also mentioned, each of the... Um, each of the Tiffany books are two years further on. So it's 9, 11, 13, 15, 17. I think we get to as far as that. Uh, it's the 32nd Discworld novel, second uh, Tiffany Aching novel. And the ISBN number is 0385-607-369. That is 0385-607-369. It is preceded by the We Free Men in uh, the lineup of um, Tiffany books, and the Wintersmith comes after it, which is my favourite of the Tiffany books. Now, overall, uh, the book that uh, came before was *The Monstrous Regiment*, and the book that comes after is, well, as Colin mentioned, *Coin Postal*. Oh. What is it about? Well, uh, Tiffany uh, has been recognised as a witch by the witches themselves and basically really needs some training. So this is all the fun that can be had was not having a lot of knowledge but having a lot of power. Now, while she's got little tricks that she's developed herself, um, something takes her over for a wee while uh, called the Hiver. And this is where not so much fun ensues. Now, when I say A Hatful of Sky is for me the weakest of all the books, um, it's because it is for me the weakest of the books. But that only says that the quality of the other books are extremely high, all of them. They are extremely good books. This is no, well, this is actually no exception. It's just for me personally, it's the worst of the books because um, just as you think things are getting over, the book's finished. As you think, well, there's not a lot really gone on, but, uh, you know, there's a little story going on. So things that you, you get to see. Her first uh, time actually meeting death um, you hear of the witch trials which we'll she'll do uh, later on uh, I'll be taking it probably from from the uh, blink of the screen I think it's on yeah blink of the screen 
and I shall read it out. Um, you can see what this is then based on. It is, that, that sweet story there is a really, really good thing. It's a really good book. I say book, it's just a sweet story. Anyway, up for this guy. Now, it sees um, Tiffany going up to Lanka and actually meeting other witches, and witches her own age. Uh, she first um, meets, uh, well, a nasty little piece of work, but uh, it's only because she's um, really uh, just highly arrogant and just takes her teacher's word for everything. A girl called Anagrama. Uh, now, in that sort of group, then you notice a few of other people that you probably had mates like that in school. It's girls like uh, Petulia, um, somebody who's actually majorly talented, but uh, basically got put down um, by other people in the, in the group. Well, usually led by the one person sort of thing. I know it's what it was like when I was at school. You, you saw that with the girls. Um, yeah, sometimes it can't be helped. Uh, but Petunia was, uh, or Petunia, um, she's the pig tamer, and um, she actually is a rather, you know, she, despite her, uh, mm, or between words, and anagramma having a go at her every single moment that she can do it because she errs and ums between her sentences, um, it's just somebody you like to have as a friend, really, proper friend. So, uh, let's see, lists, well, there's two new characters. So, who else are we introduced to? Well, uh, Mr. Crabber, who is a horse carriage driver. Uh, the Toad is brought back. Um, Oswald is basically just a poltergeist spirit who cleans uh, Miss Level's cottage. It's just something everybody would love to have. Uh, a poltergeist who cleans up your house and does all the tidying up, that would just be fantastic, especially in this day and age, uh, when you haven't got uh, much time. Uh, Mr. Weevil is not one of the town persons in Lanka. Zakzak, uh, a dwarf who owns a shop for witches, unfortunately gets the, the bad end of the hiver. Uh, Mrs. Earwig, who's the woman who's training anagramma. Ah... Uh, I'll get on with it a bit there, but uh, Brian, who um, is Saksak's um, security guard's uh, supposed wizard, and um, it's the return of death. Now, I'll pick on Mrs. Earwig for the moment. Mrs. Earwig is the self-referential, arrogant piece of work uh, that everybody at some time in their life has the misfortune uh, to come on over, that crosses over your path they may know a little bit about things but they are do they just get on your nerves now I'll be the first to admit I don't know everything and I'll make mistakes and then it's up to me to either research it or correct my mistakes but just to stand there and uh, there's a good German word for it or a Wagen word behaupting uh, to to well basically say one thing and be absolutely you know, it's what Trump does an awful lot. Sorry to bring politics into it, but it's what Trump does an awful lot. You know, um, what he says uh, is one hundred percent the truth, even though that ninety five percent of it you know is lies. 
Yeah. How can we be sure that Trump is his actual name? Anyway, I am digressing. Uh, she's still got contact. Uh, Tiffany's still got contact with Roland, uh, but he only appears uh, sort of at the beginning of the book. Uh, after sort of getting into um, more into sort of the the Baron's role uh, and start to help take over. And uh, reappearing, we have Mystic, Granny Weatherwax. Um, Granny Aching makes a um, there's no referenced, um, but also new in the book. I forgot is Miss Level. Now spoilers. Miss Level for me was one of the more interesting characters in the book. Uh, just the fact that she is one person with two bodies. Yeah. One person with two bodies. And the, she works independently of each other, but it is all one person. I don't mean like twins, one person. Because in our family here, we've got uh, a set of twins and that. And uh, there's sort of a couple of Germans saying, uh, yeah, I, I won't say them, they're pretty rude, but um, basically mean sort of joined at the hip sort of thing. And here's more the case of it's, uh, how can I describe it? It's just, just rather fantasy. Um, The one half of it can go off and do other things, and the other half will be, uh, say one, she'll, she'll fly off on a broom and go and help the people in the village, and the other one will stay back and do all the chores in the house, and the next day they'll swap around, um, but both, without speaking to each other, will know what happened. And I find it rather fascinating, to be honest. So I suppose in the book, it's, yeah, I'd say so, she's probably my favourite character. Uh, secondly, uh, the second favorite character being Petulia. Uh, uh, now, sort of going into the story, originally Tiffany is helping out uh, Chalk, but she has to start her training. So she is basically uh, going between her home and Lanka for a wee while. And one of the tricks she's learned is uh, because she doesn't have a, a mirror to use, she's learned this trick called See Me, where she can, not as a ghost, but her spirit can basically step out of herself and actually look to see, you know, how she's looking, uh, you know, if everything's in the correct place. And she'll say, See Me Not, and she'll go back in the body. Now, this trick, despite being a bit clever, had one major upset. Uh, a creature of the spirits called a hiver basically during one of these times takes over her body and you get this sort of um, evil universe um, like Star Trek uh, evil um, doppelganger thing going on but it's all this one it's literally the one person uh, Tiffany's also within her own body but then you see how uh you know tiffany would act if she didn't have some sort of uh well she didn't have manners or a, a mental break to stop her doing all sorts of nasty things 
uh, if we could be a really nasty person. I suppose the other sort of way to look at this is where um, there's a Doctor Who story called Inferno, uh, which would be a fairly good demonstration on this. In the normal Doctor Who world, you've got the Brigadier and uh, his, his organisation unit. Uh, but then you got to see the flip side. What was if the brigadier was nasty? And then you get to see the uh, the the commander, which is a, a different, like a, a flipable version of um, the brigadier uh, in this alternative universe uh, version uh, of Earth in Doctor Who. Just go and have a watch it. It's actually quite a good uh, serial. And it, yeah, it's aged okay, considering. Um, how old Inferno actually is, um, but the effects there is a nice werewolf special effect in it. Part well, I call it werewolf special effects. They call it something else, but um, it's worth looking up. But anyway, get back to this. So basically, the Hiver invades, and of course, uh, Genie, who knows the Kelda uh, of the Natmak Figgles, has basically sent. Uh, Rob out to keep an eye on her, uh, and Rob's chosen a fair, uh, a small group: uh, the new Gonagall and uh, Daff Willie are out with him. So uh, as soon as they've noticed, uh, a PLN has to be started, and so the nasty fun ensues. Um, now, it really does. The book really does actually just go through really quickly. You definitely um, barely realise that you've come to the end. When you've come to the end of the book, you're like, well, it seems a bit short. And for me, it does. It seems a bit short. Compared with the other ones, uh, they take you in deeper and, uh, you know, get on with things. But they take you, they take you in deeper and give you more perspective to the story, um, you get hooked into the characters more, and uh, that's why this for me is I say it's the worst of the Tiffany books, but you know, the worst of the Tiffany books is still miles and miles better uh, than my personal worst Terry Pratchett book, and it's still miles and miles better than a lot of the books that are out there, so um. It just means the book gets a four out of five, oops, uh, from me. Um, not full points uh, due to the fact that I feel there's something lacking. I felt a lot of the time there was something missing. I'm not quite sure. There was like, because um, usually with Terry Pratchett books, you've got uh, several, often you get several storylines going on at once. Uh, which it flips between which I got. That's another thing I got to admit. Terry Pratchett books are far easier to read than something uh, some other ones. Um, I'll say, uh, like Stephen Baxter is a good example. Uh, Stephen Baxter has, uh, like many other authors, this bad habit of doing little chunks and bits and bobs, and it'll eventually all come together. Uh, and the Terry Pratchett books, I find more that the fact you have. Uh, streams going all on at the same time, a parallel, and you can actually follow what's going on in each of the streams uh, very easily. And compared with other authors, that's why they're they're enjoy they're a joy to read. They're a joy to be uh, read to uh, either by any of the three uh, readers, or the main three main readers, 
Stephen Briggs, um, Nigel Planer and Tony Robinson. Um, that's why it's so joyful. So I say this one, I'll give it a four. Yeah, four out of, four out of five. Mm, creeping to maybe four and a half in some places. Um, I love the Fiegel bits. And the fact that you've got... Um, uh, Miss Level, just I've just found Miss, like I say, found Miss Level absolutely fascinating. I wish there'd be more with her. Um, so that's it for this period. I would say this month, but it is quite literally turning into a six-week turnaround. So in six weeks' time, which will be somewhere around the beginning of June, I should imagine, um, unless I find something to squish in between. Uh, maybe because I might have a bit of holiday between there and yeah now and if I do have some time to myself I may actually even get a chance to sort something out to dump on you or may something joyous I say dump on you that's not nice is it anyway enjoy what you're doing enjoy your burrito enjoy your sheep liniment I'll see you next time around. Next time around, book is Dodger. Yep, we're moving on to the next non-Discworld book that could have been Discworld, if you had so wished. So, next time around, Dodger. Bye for now. If you want to contact us, then you can try through the Facebook group, The Pratchett Podcast. You can also get in contact over the email pratchettpodcast at gmail.com Also on Twitter the U U Librarian He keeps saying ook all the time Who knows why? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.